Lewis Hamilton leads Max Verstappen by just a single point heading into the first doubleheader of the year. Can either establish a championship lead in May? Hello and welcome to another F1 Strategy Report recap. My name's Michael Amanato and this is a preview of the 2021 Portuguese and Spanish Grand Prix for Apex Race Manager, the mobile race management simulator. Let's take a look back at last year's races. First to Portugal. The Algarve circuit was still greasy from a fresh resurfacing job, and the cool autumnal weather and on-off sprinkles of rain made track conditions extremely challenging. Bottas led Hamilton early, but both Mercedes cars struggled with tyre warm-up, even losing the lead to the superb starter Carlos Sainz for a couple of laps. But Hamilton soon rose to the top with what can only be described as a relentless driving style to pump heat into his Pirellis. He cruised past Bottas and flew into a distant lead to claim a record-breaking 90-second victory. I caught up post-race with Racer Magazine's Chris Medland. Really strange to see Mercedes kind of in a vulnerable position as well, especially Lewis Hamilton, who seemed like lost quite a bit of momentum at the first part of that lap. Took him about five laps to build up that temperature and then normal service kind of resumed, but with Bottas in the lead. This became a really interesting phase in the race because in ordinary circumstances, two Mercedes in the front, you wouldn't necessarily expect there to be a big enough difference that a position change becomes extremely obvious. But all of a sudden, and typically this came after Lewis Hamilton complained that his tyres were going bad, he found immense pace to such a degree that Bottas had absolutely no answer to him. Yeah, it's it's almost um, predictable, isn't it? If Lewis <laughs> complained his tyres are going off, he's about to set the fastest lap. And then later in the race, he complained he had cramp and he set the fastest <laughs> lap again. But um, yeah, that was, that was actually quite surprising because Bottas did one... Bottas had, again, a lap fewer on his mediums. So if anything, he had a little bit more rubber to play with. And his start, he'd switched them on better. He'd attacked it better. Lewis had backed off. What was interesting was Lewis saying that he felt he was always going to come back at Valtteri anyway. Even even then, I mean, you know, we hadn't seen the long running. We'd seen Valtteri be quick all weekend. Um, and Lewis just pip him at the end of Q3. But then even half a lap into the race, Lewis was like, no, I'm, I'm going to get him later if I let him go now. Uh, but he had a big moment. I think it was at turn seven um, or technically turn six, like a little, little left-hand kink in the middle of the circuit where Lewis was in the lead on the first lap and he had a massive snap of oversteer and thought he was going to throw at the scenery. So off the back of that, he just slowed right up. That's why Bottas went by and Science went by and he just then eased into it. And it was almost like he eased into it and never stopped. He never found a limit of where he should get to. He just kept getting quicker and quicker. And yeah, Valtteri had no response. I don't know if that was because Valtteri did get into a rhythm where he was comfortable, but it meant that his tyres then plateaued, whereas Lewis's were getting better or staying in the window. But um, yeah, the difference was huge in the end because I think it took really about two to three laps for Lewis to close what was a three-second gap. Uh, and as soon as he went into DRS range, you thought, oh, he's going he's gonna to walk by. And, and it was quite easy to overtake with DRS, um, certainly if you had a pace advantage like Lewis did at that stage. And then he just disappeared into the distance in no time. And I think that mentally, again, probably broke Bottas, a bit like qualifying will have, uh, once he saw that he didn't have the pace to match Lewis and he'd given up track position uh, and they were going to go long and that gap was only going to get bigger and bigger and bigger, he he probably realised at that point that the race was up. If there was one opportunity for Bottas to perhaps try and get something back here, it would have been the pit stop. It came at lap 40, Mercedes extended probably further than perhaps they were expecting. Uh, they switched onto the hard tie, but we heard Valtteri ask if he could try something different as the driver behind, perhaps extend further and then go onto the soft tyre just to try a different strategy. I mean, ultimately in the same car, there's only so many things you can do. Mercedes didn't really seem to entertain that idea at all. It took only one lap to decide that wasn't going to happen and brought him in for the hards. 
Is that just Mercedes trying to be rigorously fair? Or is it that, you know, up to that point, we'd seen on very few cars, the soft actually go the distance? Well, I think that's, it's twofold in that sense. I do think um, Mercedes were right not to put him on the soft because we'll talk about other drivers later where it didn't didn't really work for them. Uh, even that late in the race when you'd have thought the track was gripped up and, and it might work. Um, but yeah, they were just sticking with their rules that from the start are at the final pit stop, You it's almost hold station. You you go with the same strategy or what we think is the optimal strategy. We, we can't let the, the guy that's being beaten essentially uh, potentially get an advantage by rolling the dice because especially in a race that we've just had, it was just a Mercedes fight. You know, Max was not really there in, in that mix, uh, sadly, for, for trying to kind of disrupt things. So it was worth the gamble uh, for Bottas. It wasn't gonna. It wasn't gonna cost him second place if it didn't work. So when you get a situation like that, it's kind of unfair to the the guy who's done the better job of the lead that someone else can then actually have another go and just you know buy another lottery ticket and see what happens. So can you imagine if Lewis had pulled out this great performance and adapted his sort of driving to the strategy that they'd all agreed on, and then Valtteri just takes a risk and goes for a different strategy just to see what would happen. And it suddenly brings the race to him and, and he nicks it at the end. Lewis would have been raging and you know, it would have been the same if it was the other way around. Um, you know, if, if we did reverse these roles and Valtteri had it all made and then Lewis came back because he was able to try something different. Everyone would then say it was favoritism from Mercedes letting Lewis do that. So they have to basically play it straight as much as it doesn't always then make for an exciting race that's just the, the team's best approach and we can't forget they, they secured another one too so uh, with the fastest lap to boot so maximum points you know the, the team did everything exactly as it needed to after Portugal this weekend F1 is off to Spain which last year hosted one of the most one-sided races of the season another Hamilton masterclass there were fears Mercedes would be vulnerable to extreme tyre wear under the hot Barcelona sun after the tyre failures of Silverstone in the preceding weeks but the now seven-time championship-winning team never makes the same mistake twice. Hamilton put the team's tyre fix to good use to dominate the race and stamp his authority on the title. I talked through the race with F1 senior writer Lawrence Barreto. Let's get a couple of things out of the way. We weren't meant even to have a Spanish Grand Prix no. in Barcelona this season. Uh, but this is, I mean, we, we do say this every year, but this tends to happen in Spain. A, because the circuit profile is, you know, not that conducive to overtaking, but also... Formula One tests here. There's oh no circuit goodness. better known by everybody than this track. I mean, there's not really much reason to expect anything other than this, is it? No, exactly. I think the very fact that we saw Haas looking all right on Friday <laughs> tells you how easy it is for the teams <laughs> to find the baseline, frankly. Um, no, it. you're right. The drivers, the teams, they know it so well. Um, the media, everyone who comes <laughs> here knows this place so well. Um that we kind of know what we're going to get unless you get a freak rainstorm mm. um, or something which obviously didn't didn't en- end up hitting um, <laughs> at the weekend. Um, you're just going to get a race that's a little bit dull, uninspiring, <laughs> I guess you could call it. <laughs> if we do look briefly at Hamilton before we pretty much wrap up his race, uh, there was one moment, and he elaborated a little bit on this after the Grand Prix, that did stand out as one of those moments where we do see the influence from the cockpit, Lewis Hamilton influencing his own results. And that was the decision to switch to the medium instead of the soft Mm. for his final stint. Bottas had switched to the soft to try and chase down Max Verstappen. Uh, And Hamilton said that, you know, because of the, the, the data he looked at on Friday after practice, that, he was confident medium was correct rather than soft. Uh, the engineers did want to originally put him on soft, but, but went with his instinct. I guess that really does show, I mean, sometimes Formula 1's kind of criticised, isn't it, the engineers dictate too much. But 
there is room for the driver to have quite a big say if they're confident in what they've seen. Mm-hmm. I think the other thing with, with Lewis, I think people might think that he leaves the track early, mm. gets in late because he's winning and he's very comfortable. But like he in Barcelona, he was there till comfortably 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, spending time with his engineers, trying to work out the best way to approach the weekend. So it doesn't surprise me that when he points out that factor that, you know, he thought that the medium was the better choice is that's, He'll have had a wealth of information at his disposal when he's made that decision. I imagine that what happened at Silverstone will have been in the back of his mind as well. And given the advantage that he had, why not be more cautious? Um, it's very difficult to overtake it in Spain. He kind of knew, knew he had neutralised the threat from Max. So there wasn't, re- if he was worried about the soft and how that would perform in the final sector, there was absolutely no need for him to go down that path for the sake of an extra point for a fastest lap. He already knows that he's got a sizable advantage, not over Max, but perhaps more importantly over Bottas now in the championship. And for the sake of a single point, there was absolutely no reason for him to take any risk. Um, But I do like your point about the fact that he was dictating tyre strategy. I think in Formula One, we should see more of that, really. Um, I know they don't always have that specific point that we were just talking about with Max or the information. But if Lewis wants to do the medium, then he should do the medium. You know, he should have the opportunity to try and change a race or dictate a race um, as he see fit. It would be interesting to see more driver influence on that front. And we don't know exactly how much there is because, like you sort of said earlier, we don't get all of the radio. We're not privy to all of the decision-making, obviously. So it's hard to say exactly to the extent. But certainly Lewis does seem to stand out. He's done that a couple of times where he's tried to sort of influence a race. Although, also, as you said, it is often because there's not that much to lose. <laughs> for, for Lewis, he's usually in a pretty good position by the time he starts making strategy calls. So <laughs> yes, indeed. I guess there is always that to consider. If we do want to contrast him with Bottas, though, in that final stint in particular, he was in a, a race-long battle, essentially with Max Verstappen, because he had a bit of a poor start. That was really the undoing of his race. But he had quite a big tyre offset. It was, it was Mercedes working to try and give him something, maybe particularly considering that as a result of um, unforeseen strategy, let's say in the last race, he, he lost mm-hmm. positions to Hamilton. But he had a decent tyre offset on Verstappen, who stopped on lap 41. He stopped on lap 48. He also had the soft tyre. It seemed like, given the performance Hamilton had with that car, Bottas shouldn't have had too much trouble getting past Verstappen. But, I mean, what did you make of the fact he just could not close that gap? Um, I don't know how to word this, but I, th- I, th- I think there's been a number of times that we've seen throughout Bottas' time at Mercedes where he's had a significant pace advantage over the car in front and he just hasn't got the ability to make it count. Um, so I, I wasn't particularly surprised that he didn't make it work this time around. I, th- I just feel like uh, there are t- too many opportunities times when Bottas doesn't seem to have that killer instinct where he needs to react almost immediately to make use of the advantage that he has at that point in time and then I imagine it probably gets into his head that he can't he hasn't made it stick when he's needed to and that just puts even more pressure on him um he cut a really disappointing figure yesterday um after the race I, I I feel like yeah, I know it's very early on, but I feel like yesterday was a point where he realised that the title might be slipping away. Um, I know we've only had six races, but I think that just the fact for him mentally to try and come to terms with that he wasn't able to catch Max 
when he really had a car that was capable of doing so, catch him and passing him, even on a difficult track like Spain, probably hit home that um, it probably isn't going to happen again this year. Um, and that's going to be really hard for him to come to terms with. In 2021, Portugal and Spain host the first back-to-back races of the season. And after two races to date, we're beginning to see glimpses of the battle between Mercedes and Red Bull Racing. Notwithstanding any developments made in the last two weeks, Red Bull Racing and Max Verstappen seem to have an edge on single lap pace. That'll stand them in good stead at both Portimao and Barcelona, where overtaking is expected to be difficult, especially at the aerodynamically demanding Catalunya circuit. Part of that advantage is down to Mercedes being more delicate with its tyres and thus finding it more difficult to fire up the Pirellis on a single lap in Q3. But that qualifying weakness looks like a race day strength. The car brings in its rubber more slowly, but that earns it longevity, which is enough to give it some cards to play strategically. That could be particularly important at these two rubber-destroying tracks, to which Pirelli is bringing its three hardest compounds. Portimao is likely to be a one-stop race, but remains something of an unknown given that F1 has had only one year of experience there and that the surface will have matured substantially since last year. But Barcelona will run to a standard two-stop script after decades of race action. Can either Mercedes or Red Bull Racing emerge from these twinned races with the ascendancy? I'll be back next week to debrief all the action. Until then, you can subscribe to The Strategy Report wherever you get your podcasts, and don't forget to follow us on Twitter for our regular pre-race strategy guides. The Strategy Report is a beer mogul podcast. Special thanks to Ben Loke from Bloke Designs for the show artwork, and our theme music is by Simon Hosford. My name's Michael Laminato, and I'll catch you next week for a review of the Portuguese Grand Prix.